you've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night, a show where we watch complete bullshit just because we're trying to see a bunch of films that came out in the same year. <laughs> this are we this, really getting to the bottom of the barrel? Because I can't. No, uh, this, yeah, this, no this, absolutely not. I will, don't. Don't worry. I will explain myself. Okay. Yeah, I know you'll explain yourself. Uh, so we watched Night Terrors. Scott picked this bad boy, but at what cost? I'm gonna say this right out the gate, Scott. I think that you picked a Toby Hooper movie. Made entirely of everything that you hated about Eaten Alive, just minus the benefit of a fake alligator throughout the movie. <laughs> but you do have a cult. <laughs> yeah. You do have a yeah, cult. There's a cult. There's a cult. Now this sucks. Uh, this was a bad <laughs> This is a bad movie. There was a lot of dick though, which was, you don't see any dick Dude, in Eaten Alive. The guy I was ride, so happy to see some Mahmood, dick. Mahmood. <laughs> Uh, honestly, that's the most fucking shaft we've ever seen on the show in over eight years. Um, and, and, like, it came in on a fucking parade float. It came yeah. in ready to party on a on, on horseback. Literally like, on horseback. This, this, it was this, slow yeah, this sounds like I could be... Cock <laughs> bobbing and nuts. Like, there's balls. Mm -hmm. Super visible. Mm -hmm. um, that guy... Props to Mahmood because that man, yeah. whoever played Mahmood, he got his entire it, it body. Definitely waxed. got my mood going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh man, you don't even yeah. know him. 
ridiculous. But ridiculous. But man, yes, so let's I, go. I uh, <laughs> I went with this because my original. So I, I noticed this crazy trend that we were doing almost exclusively stuff from '93, and I had picked um, uh, Split Second, which was '92. And I was like, well, we got to keep this party going. So I I knew that Robert England was in this Toby Hooper movie that was called Night Terrors with an amazing box, a piece of box art. Dude, Um, every piece of box art that I found for this movie is more entertaining than the movie. Yeah, the one we watched. There's like three different covers. Serpents for the Eyes is so good, which I do remember from the video store. And then the, um, the, the melting. Wax face is also yeah. so just so, so sick. sick. Yeah, like, um, but yeah, this was a bad pick, and I, I, I want to apologize, but then at the same time, I wasn't necessarily more bored watching this than I was watching The Crush. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's fair. I. <laughs> I think what we're learning is like '93 was not a great year, <laughs> like for every good movie. We were trying to celebrate it, and as it feels like when you start a year and you got a New Year's resolution, and you know January, as much as it's a difficult month, it's also like a fresh start. So like you got a lot of energy going into it, and then <laughs> February rolls around. <laughs> March rolls around, and you're realizing, like, hey, man, this year's not going to be any better than the last. Yeah, not just another go- one. Turns out I'm not going to the gym as much as I wanted to, and <laughs> right, I'm definitely right. not eating better. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I, still I will, ketchup I'm sandwiches gonna, in the Killy house. Yeah, mm, I'm going to come to the defense. Feel good. Very, I'm going to gently come to the defense of Toby Hooper on this movie, though, because it does seem like the blame can't fully be placed no, on him no, um no. from what i from what i read actually less blame uh, than i originally blamed like yeah uh, I blamed uh, a appara- lot. according to robert england anyway he was so excited to make this movie and then like as they were making it they like changed the script a whole bunch they changed the location and then the director left and the only way that they were able to like keep robert england from also leaving was to hire one of his friends to direct what was already like a train wreck that being said i also took a a little peek at toby hooper's uh, imdb credits and it, it's not like he really did anything fantastic beyond this point for for a really long time if ever like this was the beginning of the end yeah and and there was there was some review that said you know like Toby Hooper hasn't been good since Poltergeist, and I was like, "God damn, that was eleven years after this, or, yeah. like, or before yeah. this movie." So, and I disagree. I actually politely disagree with that. I do think that the three movies he made for canon are fun. Life Force is the first one, right? Eighty-five. So he did Life Force. He did Life Force, TCM two. I loved it. And the Invaders from Mars. Oh, uh, was remake. that eighty-nine or was that? That's like 86. Maybe they're all in 80, 85, 86. I think he did like three back to back Damn. to back to back. But I I would say I appreciate those three films uh, mm-hmm. post, post Poltergeist. But I would also confidently say that like TCM2 might be where I'm like, okay, now he hasn't made a good movie since, since that since point. TCM2. And, until Yeah, like I, I don't think he made really a banger. He did some decent... TV, like he would show up and do like the body bags TV pilot mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That were good. Like I, I think he ultimately became a better TV director than ever a movie. Although I have a feeling, 
I can't say why I have this feeling, but I have a feeling we're going to talk about one more Toby Hooper 90s film before this podcast eventually ends, <laughs> because he did do The Mangler in 1995, Bro. and I feel like we have to talk about The Mangler Did eventually. he do the Body Bags movie? He did part of it, because it's an anthology, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like different directors did different I mean, parts. he did a segment of it, yeah. My very first note, though, comes in all exclamation points because it just says, oh, shit, Winslow. Yes, I was yeah, so excited. Love to see, <laughs> love to see for the, Finley. Yeah, popped. he showed up. And the actress who plays Jeannie in this movie, her IMDb credits are just the horror movie night greatest hits. They are. Dr. Giggles. Yeah. Amityville Evil Escapes, yep. The Borrower, yep. Puppet Master 4, Leprechaun yep. 3. We've talked about all these, but she we may have almost covered her entire film career. What is her name? Zoe Trilling. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Um, like, I, I, I just wrote Amityville 4. Yeah. yeah the, <laughs> so the most fucked up thing that I read about this movie was actually just trivia. I guess they were, it was considered trivia, and it said that this was Zoe Trilling's last full frontal nudity because she did show one like some some tasteful side boob in some movie in 95 i saw this exact same trivia piece and i thought it was so creepy <laughs> so fucking someone, creepy a it's creepy that someone was like oh gotta make sure that this is on the imtv yeah. trivia but also that like there is so little trivia about this movie that that kind of rose. Yeah, to the yeah. Well, top. The, the context of that really sucks. <laughs> and and I I'll, I went off of IMDb to find out to try and understand more about what I watched in the third act of this movie because it felt like I was missing something, dude. And I don't think that there's Wikipedia? any explanation. No, no the who, Wikipedia plot summary. Captivity. The, the the Wikipedia plot summary is shorter than the description would be on the back of a VHS. With like, less really information. Is. So, <laughs> like, I, you I read the IMDb and you're, or you read the, uh, the Wikipedia and it does not make you want to watch the movie. Like, the back no. of the, the VHS at least would want to make you watch the movie. Mm-hmm. It was, Scott, when I hit play on this movie <laughs> and I started watching this, I'm like, what is happening here? Like Robert England showing up. He's he's With the, the weird eye and all. Like, there's all this weird shit happening. I'm like, I go to the wiki page because I'm like, I'm already confused. I'm five minutes into this yeah. fucking movie. I didn't know this was going to be a period piece. I it's read not. the plot. <laughs> it's not. It's- Turns out it's not. Read the plot description. I'm like, I am even less confused. I have never thought I would have to talk about. How many times I watch someone deep throat a snake? Yeah, I hated <laughs> that. So I, I actually have a note that says it that poor kept snake happening. There is like some toe sucking though, which I was like, oh, Tarantino likes this yeah. one. This is one <laughs> I doubt that anybody's going to watch this based on a recommendation, and I doubt that anybody listening, if not. anybody is going to listen to this, uh, I feel like this is going to have the lowest listenership because this is like. There's no redemption for this. So let me just lay it out for the the, the few stragglers, the poor souls that are here listening with us now. Concept, and then I'll go into what the original concept was supposed to be. But the concept of this movie is that Zoe plays a girl named Jeannie, whose dad, who's played by the Phantom of the Paradise, is a an archaeologist in Israel. And super religious. Tel Aviv. Like, super like, Christian. Wrong. I don't yeah. know why he's in Tel Aviv. Israel, he's like on this dig and Jeannie gets caught up with this woman who gives her a copy of the writings of Sabina. the Marquis de Sade, Sabina, yes, who is like an acolyte for the 
descendant of the Marquis de Sade, both of which, the Marquis and the descendant, are played by Robert England, um, with the worst hair I've ever seen him with. It's like this bleach mm-hmm. blonde, like, moosed back garbage. It's awful. But He's I mean, trying I, to bring back his never too young to die look, <laughs> where he was just a, like a nerd play, like I, at a computer. I love that you have made this decision that you are going to bring up never too young to die as many times as possible to subconsciously make anyone on the Patreon eventually vote for it when it's (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. But I call what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're talking about Robert England's hair, Matt. Yeah, nothing else. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so so uh, Sabina is like gets gets uh, genie like kind of addicted to sadism and masochism somehow hooks her up with this guy that she meets out in the desert he fucks the shit out of her in his tent and then it turns out that like there's this cult that is I can't tell it seems to me that they are worshippers of a pre-Christian fertility goddess is that what Fatima I'd buy that for a that, dollar, like, yeah. That, yeah, that your guess is serpent. as good as mine, Okay, well, Scott. let's let's go there. Okay, so... Not like Layer of the White Worm. Kind of. I mean, but yeah, like, similar concept, though. I mean, kind but of. not... Like, just it's like not, this... It's like paganism, not Satanism. Yeah. If that makes sense. So yeah, yeah. There's I, this yeah. pagan god that Genie's dad finds this crypt that is supposed to be for the like, but this 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 subplot never gets explained so no. you just have to kind of guess that this cult is trying to bring back either i can't tell if the cult is trying to bring back the marquis de sod or the fertility goddess or if they're linked and that's why they're the scales and so like at the end um, her dad gets killed. Her genie's dad gets killed. Her best friend gets killed. Mahmoud, who fucked the shit out of her in a desert tent, uh, is in a, is in cahoots. He gets killed by Sabina. Sabina stabs Paul, who is the descendant of the Marquis de Sade. In as he's bleeding out, he stabs her. Then he chases Genie out into the alleyway. And then he has this vision of the the cult. He, he he cries blood. He dies. Genie puts his body in the canal, and then she sees the cult because the cult has like this this. It's like a if you live or die kind of concept where like, I think that they're judging you with the the scales, yes. um, yeah. and they judge him unworthy, and so he dies. And then and his worthiness is in his sadism, apparently. I don't or know like in what his... the it's, it's like. Literally, two. I don't know what the judgment is. Yeah, well, beyond... is he not sadistic enough? Right. Is that the... God supposed? Like, yeah. It, this is where this is where like the archaeology is. Really, there are so like, many cool nowhere. concepts. There's a lot just... of. If right. they would have brought Dead them together ends, everywhere. Well, well, that's the other. So beyond the fact that the movie is confusing and borderline impossible to follow, like on top of it, a it does like you're saying it doesn't pay off all the different concepts no. that it has going, but it also like does this thing where the first hour of this movie 
is fucking worthless. Like, like it is like I mean, they there's made, nudity, so is it worthless? I, yeah, I mean, but I mean, like they made the part of the movie you saw the horse. that should be twenty <laughs> minutes long, sure. an hour long, and the part that should have been an hour long, twenty minutes. You know what I mean? I, like, I do you really want to hear Zoe Trilling scream? For longer though, no, she was good, but, but like at it. But I, I mean, I don't want to hear that. More. But we were, yeah, we were hung up in that captive, like in that captive scenario again for way too long. Which it, that's what like, I mean. Even though just... Toby Hooper got brought on late, it just that screams Toby Hooper to me. That's total <laughs> like... Toby, Toby Hooper. But like it, it, I wrote down. It takes close to an hour for anything interesting to happen in my mind. Like mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's I don't know. It's it's got a lot of sex for sure, but it's like. This like almost like sleazy Showtime type sex where it's like yeah. man this sex scene is going long. I actually fast forwarded it. <laughs> yeah, no, dude, and that's that's where I got a little bit lost, and I think it's just maybe just because like any take on anything Desaad slash like I, don't I know, feel depra- like it is, depravity it is, is hard never for paid me. off. Like, yeah. It's it, yeah. never paid off, and I've I don't never, think that I it's an easy thing to do. So yeah. like, yeah. I appreciate that they didn't go in depth with it though. That is one yeah. thing. Yeah. That oh, I, yeah. I, I didn't want to go more. Dep- I didn't want to go yeah. solo, like, yeah, and no, like no. full. <laughs> no. But also at the same time, and it just, it's more of just like, a, it begs the question, like, can, can it be done? Like, I've not seen anything that I've. Don't ask not, that I question. Mean, Somebody's going to do it to, to prove you right or wrong. And they're going to prove him wrong. I welcome it. I welcome <laughs> it because you know why? Uh-oh. I lust for it. Ah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> That's a nice. guava. That's a guava fruited sour IPA. Nice. Uh, I'm not gonna. I don't think I'm gonna like it, but I'm gonna <laughs> well, drink it. And uh, I, which is just like just like this movie. Yeah, I didn't yeah, think I was gonna yeah, like it, but I watched it. It's more about the, the and title, we, and the title is confusing. Yeah. Now, um, oh, and I, yeah, Megan I also suggested that, a drink like, for me as oh, well. Yeah, she suggested that I drink a White Claw because that is the most masochistic thing I could do besides <laughs> watch this movie. <laughs> It, I'm gonna I love have that your drinks seem to be contextual. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like it's 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 more of the true sadism sadism of drinking a white claw. So bless you and bless Megan for that one. That's beautiful. But hey, Matt, <laughs> this movie did have puppets, so it it no, it, it does did. click the boxes for it you. Does. Yeah, for the sure. Only no, box that look, matters. It, it it there were Matt Kelly boxes that were certainly checked. I Do you realize just... that Robert Englund is sh- filmed the same way every fucking movie he's in? Just this Dude. like low angle yeah. Dutch tilt where he just turns over and like looks and at the camera. And he has the same ha ha. Clicks a claw of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, like, in this movie, instead of the, the finger knives, he has a retractable pen knife, which I really yeah. wanted to understand what the mechanism for that was, but I wasn't gonna get that i i'm gonna say something real controversial and i feel like the more movies i've watched with robert england that aren't nightmare on elm street movies the more i'm like maybe he's not the best actor i feel like we have i'm having deja vu because we said the exact same thing when brian picked fam of the opera i thought that it was more fun than it was it should have been it's more fun than it should have been but i i really do think i'm like oh this guy's range is very minimal. But he's <laughs> yeah, because point. he wants to be a, he always wanted to be a stage actor, I think. Right. He's yeah. classically it trained. It does make me you know it does read like I mean, I will say that he does read so sort of Vincent Price E to me. Or even like sure. maybe more Christopher Lee. Like Yes. Oh I know yes, Chris, I know that they are technically well maybe not though. Maybe they're not like better actors i don't know i don't know if i've ever like really 
Christopher Lee is. But I, but Vincent I feel Price like... might not be. Like I don't, I don't believe I that Vincent Price I think is the Vincent better. Price really leaned into the cheese. Yeah, well, I was going to say Robert England. England Robert England that. is taking notes from Christopher Lee and Vincent Price, but like the wrong part of their career. <laughs> right, but <laughs> that's how he's getting rich. So yeah. it's like you know what you know. It's no, a little he's bit getting rich from going to bit. conventions, dude. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I correct. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. All right, well, Scott... We all we all make mistakes. Yeah, nothing, yeah. Nothing I, I, can stay. I, I feel bad. I was the sadist. <laughs> but how here. would you fix this? How would you? I'm fix happy this we watched it. It feels like a blind spot that I didn't know was blind. It's yeah, one, it's like a one eye spot. Yeah, yeah. And white, now you've got like out. a little some sort of weird. Yeah, it was a cataract more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Scott, what would you make us watch to try to save the night? I mean, this should be no surprise. Waxwork, because it's also got the Marquis de Sade in it. Yeah. I almost um, now, wrote that okay, down. So. Kyle, you can eat your words. They have done the perfect Marquis de Sade. Yeah, <laughs> by only right. doing about 20 minutes just, of it in a feature-length movie. <laughs> just a little bit. That's funny. All right, Kyle, so, what would your double feature be? Um, I, you, you had mentioned it before, and it's going to be watched on this show. I would, I mean, it, The Mangler. Like, it is, it is actually, wait. truly, tonally, the perfect match. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I can't wait. Uh, and I'm going to talk about something that you actually mentioned, Lair of the White Worm. The whole time I was, I was watching this, I thought I would it. rather be watching Lair of the White Worm. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> there was, I had, did either one of you have like a weird, could not place deja vu while watching the movie? Like there was just moments 
where it wasn't like I've seen this scene before, but it was like the thoughts I'm feeling right now, I feel like I've already verbalized on our movie night about it. I think that's movie. what happens when we're nearing the decade mark, buddy. Yeah. Like that's really I just I was like, I feel like we have absolutely watched not I definitively have never watched this movie and there was never a second where I thought I did, but there were so many moments where I'm like we watched something similar to this that I was not a fan of. I feel like this, this I'm does guessing feel it was like Phantom. It. I think it was Phantom yeah. of the Opera. It could have been this Phantom. It like honestly could have been Burial Ground at one point. I have no <laughs> clue. There was just weird deja vu that was happening. Scott, we can't finish up the episode though until you. I'm begging you. Tell me about something that you've read, listened to, watched that you're just like bursting to talk about. Can I do two? Because I have one that's topical and one that I actually want to talk about. We're running real. This is a real short episode so right. far, so I'll give I'll give you the blessing. All right. I want to start with I watched Spontaneous Combustion, also okay. a Toby Hooper movie from 1990, starring uh, Charles Lee Ray, uh, also Grima Wormtongue, also um, what's his real name? Uh, <laughs> Brad Dourif. Brad Dourif. Brad Dourif, thank you. And it is uh, fine. Um, it's been on my to-do list for a very long time, and I, I kicked it off because it was 1990, so just a couple years before this, and I thought, maybe I'm... I have I have a hard time understanding Toby Hooper's cinematic style. Like, I know he's over the top, but I don't... You know when you watch John Carpenter... I feel like you can see John Carpenter. I don't think that I have that for Toby Hooper. And I'm not saying he doesn't have a distinct style. I'm saying I just am not keen to it. And so I was like, let's watch. Let's, uh, why not? I mean, it's, it's about a guy who lights people on fire. It's basically Firestarter with Brad Dourif. Um, it was, I thought that maybe it had enough legs to get an episode of out of the show. And it doesn't. Um, mm. It starts really cool because it's in the 50s um, and and it's cool because it's got Brad Dourif and it's cool because it's Toby Hooper and there's practical effects with people getting lit on fire. But it's just not, it doesn't really pay off. I mean, it's 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 just very middle of the road, very much like, it's, it's less middle of the road than, it's better than Night Terrors, but it's still, I understand why people are like, yeah, the, the 90s were kind of a rough time for Toby Hooper's career. Yeah. <laughs> but I watched a really good movie. Well, a very interesting and clever movie. Uh, a very small budget um, film that's been on my prime watch list for, for, for maybe like three or four years at this point. It came out in, I think, 2017. Um, it's called All Eyes. Have you guys ever heard of it? No. no. The concept is that this guy has a podcast called U.S. Sane um, and he interviews people. It's kind of like it's trying to be more like Coast to Coast with Art Bell. Art Bell, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Art Bell. But yeah. he, at the beginning, he, he, so he interviews these weirdos, right? And um, one of them kidnaps a woman, puts her in his basement, and that thinking that she's like a visual like a an, a visual hallucination or like a, a hallucination like a, a the, this thing called the follower um and then the guy gets in a shootout and dies um and so he loses his show and then he gets 
contacted by this guy who's like, my wife loved your show, I hate your show, but here's a check for $25,000, I will sign it if you meet me and document my story of me going out into the woods behind my farm and killing this monster that has 10,000 eyes, basically. Whoa. But it's not about the monster, and it's it's about the guy who has the farm and about the podcaster, and it's very, it's more of a rumination on writing and mm. on what you owe your audience. Um, and it was a really, really fucking good script. Um, it's not a horror movie. It's, it's, and it even, and I love that it's meta in such a way that it explains that it's not a horror movie in mm. it. Literally, they're talking about the story that he's writing uh, or that he's going to tell about the experience that he's ex- that he's having because he has like a little handheld recorder with him as he's um you know so he can take notes and do the interviews um for, with this guy and it's like what's a monster story without a monster because you never see the monster i mean you mm-hmm. see it for a hot second but it's not about that i mean i caught what it was about about halfway through the movie and i was like okay okay because i was getting mm-hmm. a little fatigued thinking like Okay, I mean, you, I know you're going to make me wait to see the monster because it's low budget, but it's just really clever, and I have not heard anybody talk about it. I mean, where's it? Where was it available? Prime. On? It's it's okay. Free if you have Prime. Um, it also says that it's on Tubi. Well, Ooh. I, hey, if you want to, <laughs> if you don't have Amazon Prime and you want to watch some ladder insurance commercials, <laughs> or maybe you just like your movie interrupted mid sentence by commercials yeah, too, absolutely. then you can. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, so I, cool. I highly recommend nice. it. I was really thinking about you, Kyle, when I watched it because it yeah. felt like something that you would. It would be your your up your alley. I mean, it's it's. I'm adding it to my list. Yeah, and I think that it's actually it doesn't look cheap. I just know it was because there are like two characters who are on screen for ninety percent of the time. Probably like a single, fairly single location. Yeah. To a oh, the extent. really yeah. interesting thing about it was that it's a family made movie. Like the writer, the director, the director oh, of like photography. The Adams family. Yeah, the ones that did Hellbenders last year. Um, yeah. It's exactly like that, and and I just nice. wanted to, I wanted to mention it here because hell yeah, it's love that it's really good, and I highly recommend right. it to anybody that watches the show for something that's not over the top and silly. If you want an actual good movie that's low budget, watched Alien Private Eye from 1989. <laughs> um, it's uh, it was Vinegar Syndrome put it out. Uh, of course they did. And <laughs> it's just I these action movies that feel like they need to have some sort of science fiction element that are written, edited, produced, directed by the same person, especially in the late 80s. Just They just make me so happy. And Vinegar Syndrome does such a good job of putting them into my world, uh, especially when I'm not seeking them out. It's about an alien. And the only way you can tell is because when he takes off his fucking hat which is this what? huge like zoot suit hat i don't know what they're called they're not fedoras but they're bigger than that 
It covers his pointy ears, so he looks more like an elf than an alien. I was about to but say, claims he looks like he's an elf. Alien. Nah, he's an alien, but he's I don't know why he's on Earth. There's you know, there's a bunch of blind spots, but basically, um, he's he's a, a private investigator and uh, he has his own office and uh, is there's this uh, gang that gets hold of half of a device that would make the most addictive drug on planet Earth. <laughs> And then somebody else has the other half. At some point in the movie, the halves come together, and then the gangs are fighting over who has possession. It's so fucking silly. But, like, I just love the commitment to these um, to these storylines and to these characters that people have that just have no business doing any of it. Uh, it's a very special time in in filmmaking and in art and in culture uh alien private eye is not a good movie but it was i had fun (laughs) um all right so my i'll go last uh i watched a movie with my boy dylan uh from the christmas 365 podcast Ah, d-day yeah which i found out i found out our boy dylan's gonna also be at creature feature weekend all weekend so he might be also joining us for episode 400 uh we need to have have like a full text for everybody that's going to be there yeah Um, we need confirmation so he came over we recorded a shit ton of episodes of christmas 365 because that's what you do in january we watched a movie called gravy which i briefly mentioned on the podcast almost a year ago is that about a clown Sort of. No, there's a clown on the cover. Yeah. A clown on the cover. Okay. There's you. a clown on the cover. So, uh, movie came out in 2015. So it's not officially in our in our wheelhouse just yet. And I'm so unsure about it. Um, I liked it, but have you ever watched? Actually, I already know the answer to this this question. But you know when you watch a movie and you're really liking it, and then there are just like one or two lines of dialogue. Where you're like, dude, 2015 is way too fucking late for you to be using yep. some of these lines of dialogue. Yeah. That's my vibe for Gravy. Um, most of it is hilarious. It's unique. I'm baffled by some of the words that are in this movie because the writer and director is like the star of Psych. I've heard nothing but good things about him. So I'm like, why would he like... I don't get it. There's a commentary. I'm going to listen to it. The only thing that I can like make sense of why like some of these words are in there is if he was really aiming to make this feel like it was the 80s when he was making it. I <laughs> like, think he was trying to like, be edgy. I think that I've read about this yeah. before cause, and, it, and it turned me off to the idea of watching it. Yeah. The rest of the movie is so good. There's like three or four lines of dialogue where I'm like, man, if you just cut these like three sentences, I would be like, this is a perfect movie that I'll recommend to everybody. Um, but the, the premise is a family of cannibals on Halloween night break into a Mexican restaurant and holds all of the employees hostage and make them play a series of pop culture knowledge games to stay alive. And if you lose the pop culture game, they have the chef tied up in the kitchen and is forcing him to cook his friends for the cannibals to eat. Um, And it's like psychologically really fucked up. But what is interesting and unique about the movie that I really, really was drawn into is that a, all of the employees in this restaurant are a fucking family unit. Like, like there is not one person who acts selfishly. They are all like, I will fucking die for my friends, like level of loyalty in this situation. And the family of cannibals are also weirdly fucking likable. So you're like, 
watching this movie where there is like a definitive good and evil, but they're both very charming in their unique ways. So you're just like, I don't need like, like at a certain point, I think I looked at Dylan. I was like, I kind of just hope no one dies and they all leave this as friends. Like, like, you're just like, maybe that's why you're disappointed by it. I was. Yeah. That's 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 an unsuccessful film. (laughs) But the cast is wild. Like Sutton Foster is the final girl lead, like from Broadway. Uh, Mm. Jamie Simpson from uh, loser is one of the cannibals. Michael Weston is one of the cannibals. Sarah Silverman plays like a, does like a cameo in it. Like it's, it's a pretty impressive cast. It is really funny, but yeah, be be forewarned that there is there is some lines of dialogue that are baffling in 2015. Yeah. <laughs> and then we also same same weekend I did I will just quickly say that I did the strangest triple feature of all time uh, with Tessa from Fen Regard who came over here for a night and she saw that I had she she was like let's watch a movie. And I was like, well, here's You're the like, pilot. You're like, I hate movies. <laughs> I said, yeah, I don't Ugh, have any. Really? Um, I, said, I said, here's. I got CDs, though. Yeah, I said, here's the pile of DVDs that I've purchased and haven't watched yet. Like, here's. Otherwise, there's a basement of 3,000 other options, but let's start with like a small pile. And she's like, ooh, what's Blood Freak? So we watched Blood Freak. It's a bad movie. <laughs> Blood Freak's a real bad movie. Yeah. We're watching That's the one Blood where the guy Freak. turns into a chicken, right? Yeah, it's bad. Um, as we're watching it, Tessa out of nowhere is just like, I still haven't seen Pink Flamingos. We should watch that next. And I was like, look, if you want to go on the journey of Pink Flamingos, I will take that ride with you, but we need a palate cleanser in between Blood Freak and, and Pink Flamingos to get there because these are both like, way too cheaply made and way too like aiming to like fuck with your senses Wait, so, hold on I want to pause you just for a second man I'm sorry where did you get Blood Freak is it on Blu-ray I got you... a DVD at a place in Asbury Park called the Groovy Graveyard which is an all horror themed uh, record and didn't uh, you send us pictures from that recently you did. I sent yeah. you pictures yeah, they were okay. selling a, a signed copy of the WNUF Halloween special right. soundtrack nice. which I sent to Chris Law Martina and he immediately wrote back oh you're in Asbury Park at the Groovy Graveyard <laughs> I, I thought he was going to be like buy it record I'll reimburse you <laughs> <laughs> um, but, the, but then so my palate cleanser because she had mentioned Rocky Horror I was like have you ever seen Phantom of the Paradise so we did Blood Freak, Phantom of the Paradise, Pink Flamingos. It is the strangest triple feature I've ever experienced, but yet it all weirdly kind of made sense. It's all tracks. There's all birds. It's all there's all birds in there. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. The fact that but, she uh, sat yeah. through all that is wild. She didn't have that a choice. That was her call. Two of them were her call. I would yeah. say I brought the best one to the table. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that is. 1993's Night Terrors uh, not our finest moment but hey we'll make it up hopefully next week with even more 1993 fodder <laughs> uh, I believe we're talking about a movie that I picked and have not seen yet so this will this will really be fun and interesting <laughs> so Love strap it. in and let's have a good good time <laughs>
you've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.